Hello, this is Che Webster from the Roleplay Rescue Podcast. It's time for something completely different. A GM Journal. Hi and welcome to the episode. Um, I'm trying something very different. Um, a GM's journal. This is really responding to requests for a lot more detail on the how-to of preparing and running roleplay sessions. Um, really, it's a bit of an experiment and therefore very much a bonus episode. And I think any future episodes, if you want to hear them, they'll be uh, bonus episodes too. So, do you remember Frank T's message? Hey Jay, Frank from Frank T's Liner Notes here. I really enjoy your podcast. I especially enjoyed the last episode where you talked about committing to your art. I think there's a lot that can be gleaned uh, in transferable skills uh, from work life to hobby life, and I might have to do some personal exploration on that. I would really love for you to continue this series on... uh, the whole uh, game master idea using maybe some audio diary type stuff where you can review your successes and failures in setting up this project or this game system that you're talking about and, uh, and telling us what works and what doesn't. So Frank's message was great. And, and then I got another one from Aaron C., Hey, Jay, Aaron Clark phoning, and just listened to episode zero of season two, and I see that uh, your planning or your uh, game isn't quite getting off to the start that you'd hoped. Um, I think Frank T. had a great idea about doing a sort of DM diary, as it were, kind of documenting some of your successes and maybe some of your failings or maybe some of your learnings from all of that so looking forward to seeing how season two shapes up if you want to jump into a game there are a bunch being organized over on the audio dungeon discord and um, yeah i think you could easily find a game there heck even only one of them is paid two dollars a month for calmata with jason hobbs well worth it take care Big thanks for calling in, Aaron. And um, yeah, I think you and Frank are getting your wish. Um, at least one episode of it. I also want to credit um, Reese Laundry because Reese is over on MeWe and he also asked me, you know, please, can you do something like this? So here we are. Experiment number one, GM's Journal. What's the idea? My GM's journal will be like stream of consciousness, not so thought through as my main episodes. I want to focus on the practical processes of gaming. This will be step by step. I'll record little journal snippets and then I'll kind of stitch them together into an episode. And that's what I'm going to do today. 
I'll also be working on materials ahead of time, you know, using them, um, but I won't release the journal until I've used the thing I've just been talking about in play. So I've got a forthcoming game that I'm going to discuss um, my prep for today, but I'm not going to release this until after I've played it. And that means that my players, they'll have minimal spoilers, and it really also allows me to hide all my working process personally and protect my um, creative process. So although it's a peek behind the curtain, and, and that might well spoil things for my players, especially for their sense of verisimilitude, the idea is to share one man's process and then invite discussion. This will be a learning journey for me. Um, my hope is that it develops into a kind of audio zine, inviting comment and discussion via the anchor message system, and perhaps in a way that early D&D fanzines like Alarms and Excursions, you know, like they did back in the day, people would write in to those and then people would reply to the things that had been written. And it was kind of a back and forth of letters. Maybe we can get something going here on Anchor. Um, I might say something, you guys can respond, I can respond back, and so on and so on. And even, maybe we can have people talking to each other using this as a central point. In that sense, I kind of think my goal is to build a place for community interaction. And for call-ins, you know, on the topic of GMing and play tips, they will find their way into perhaps another GM's Journal episode. I think this will be an irregular feature of Roleplay Rescue and therefore I think I'll end up airing it in a kind of midweek slot. But I really do hope that that sounds like fun. And I also hope it sounds like it will add to my primary mission, you know, creating a community of discovery in which people can feel accepted. Game on. Okay, so here goes. I guess I'm going to start with some context. So I've got a game, Friday Night Gamers, and I talked about my plan in the episode from Series 1, Episode 8, um, Curse of the Flaky GM, and the curse strikes again. To be honest with you, I originally recorded that episode way back, um, right at the start of 2019, I record episodes for Roleplay Rescue very much in advance, usually about four or five weeks in advance. And over the four or five weeks between the time in which I recorded that episode and kind of now, start of February, I found myself in um, a very different situation. The player who I wanted to uh, really encourage back to the table um, and who's a big fan of Savage Worlds, um, he can't make it. He just can't make the next two sessions, which is a month away. I've also got a new player who wants to come and, and join. Because of Roleplay Rescue, I've actually managed to find a new local player, Andrew. And he's wanting to come and join us. And that's great. Um, and then I've got one other player, Ian, who wants to get back to the table. He's a guy with uh, really difficult kind of personal circumstances. But he does like to get to the table. He's probably the most kind of regular guy I've had over the years. So we did some chatting on MeWe and at the weekend um, we really started to talk about how we should do a one-shot or I felt I should do a one-shot and we agreed on a system. We agreed to play Castles and Crusades 
The reason for that was very simple. I'm playing Castles and Crusades on Saturday nights every other week um, with the Society of Extraordinary Gamers, um, and that's going well, so I'm comfortable with the game. But also, these guys, they like fantasy. Um, It seems like Andrew is a real old-school gamer, really loves his BX and other things like that, from what I can see on MiWi. And Ian, I know, is a fantasy gamer. He's a Dungeons & Dragons diehard. I mean, if he had his way, we would be playing, I don't know, 2nd edition D&D, probably, or 3rd edition. Um, He loves 5th edition. Um, Me, I kind of find that too high-powered. And, you know, actually harder to run a one-shot from because I find combat uh, slower. So my thinking is that I am in a position where I need to run a one-shot. I'm taking Colin from Spike Pit's advice, going to throw down a one-shot, but I'm not ready to just do the whole total improvised thing. So I've come up with a cunning plan. It's a simple plan. Um, Basically, Castles and Crusades is created by a company called Troll Lord Games. And I'm just going to click here and I'm going to go to their website, which is trolllord.com. Now, if you type trolllord.com forward slash downloads, you get to a kind of almost secret page that I didn't know existed until recently. And it says there, below is a list of free downloads. Click on the item you want. Now, scrolling down, what I did is I decided I'm going to run something which is uh, listed here is download CNC quick start rules here. Um, Doing that, you get the Wizard's Tower Okay, the item's actually called Castle and Crusades, the Wizard's Tower with Basic Rule Set. And that's just Fabo. Well, I think it's going to be Fabo. Um, so what I've done is I've downloaded it, and my first step now, um, having kind of sent it to print, and the printers were in a way upstairs, um, is I'm going to read it. What I think I'm going to do um, is I'm going to go away and read the whole module, including all the rule stuff, um, and then I'm going to kind of see what I do from there, where I'm going to take it from there. In my head, this is about prepping a one-shot, so I need to keep it simple. I'm going to try and use the thing as raw as I can. Um, so once I've read it, I'll be back and I'll, I'll come and tell you what's going on. Okay? Bear with me. Right, well, that took about maybe 30, 35 minutes. Um, I've got to be honest, I skimmed through the rulesy bits because I'm pretty familiar with the rules. I um, wanted to make some initial comments about the um, product. So the Wizard's Tower with basic rule sets uh, for Castle Crusades. Actually, I really like it overall. Um, I'm going to take away the module, okay, which is basically from page 19 through to page 24 i took the front and back cover off my printout save me and you know ink and stuff um take that aside for a second and then i focus on the rest of it so you've got about 18 pages or so which is the basic rules um uh, for casting crusades now what's really interesting about this as a quick start is uh it actually includes how to create a character um, I was really impressed by that. There's a creating a character section, and it includes sort of a basic in- introduction, um, stuff on the six attributes, and then classes. So there is the fighter, the rogue, <clears throat> um, and there is a, a wizard and a cleric. So you've got the basic four classes, and then races, you've got dwarf, elf, um, 
and human and I thought I saw a halfling. Yep, there's a halfling on page nine. Um, and that's brilliant. And then there's a section on like starting gold and a big equipment list actually. Page 11 is entirely equipment. Um, and then a spell section. So you've page 12 and 13 and 14 is a kind of summarized spell list for wizard and cleric. So you've got um, stuff in here. I think it's the first six levels for the classes. Yep. Um, and you've got spells for cleric spells through to third level and wizard spells through to third level. And a very, very brief intro, though, so I, th I would much prefer to go and look in the player's handbook and find out what these do. But, you know, for a start product, that's pretty good. So that was that was dead impressive. And then from page 15, you've got a section called Castle Keeper in the game, which is how to run it, really, uh, how the attributes work, how saving throws work, how combat works. Um, and the combat rules are condensed into, you know, what we're talking, half of page 16, all of page 17 and 18. Um, and to be fair, if, you know, having looked at the um, full uh, rule book, it's not actually terribly much longer in the main rules. So that's brilliant. I, I really like that as a product. I thought, wow, okay, I actually do genuinely have a basic rule set for Casts and Crusades. So I wanted to make that comment up front. And, you know, for me, that's a great place to start. Really good. Turning my mind to prep, there are a couple of things I wanted to sort of draw attention to from the rules. So um, I was reading through, and what I'm doing now is I'm grabbing a highlighter pen. I've got a, a kind of yellow uh, Sharpie highlighter pen, and I'm going to actually, in the rules, I'm going to, there's a couple of things I want to highlight because there's this excellent bit. I think my players, and I'm me, I think we all know how to play a D&D style game, but I do think there's a major difference in Casts and Crusades, and there's a section on page two which basically says, there are two types of attributes, primary and secondary. Of the six attributes each character has, the player selects a few to be primary attributes. The remaining attributes are secondary. The distinction is important when determining the outcome of many actions in Casts and Crusades. Yeah, basically that's totally true. Um, to cut a long story short, in the GM bit, and I'm just highlighting that section now, in the GM bit, um, you are going to find out that basically a primary stat gives you a plus six bonus. Um, but I'm going to highlight it because I think I want to remind my well, actually when I say to my players, I'm going to say, look, six attributes is like D&D, but there is, this is how it's different. This is the rule that makes it different, I think. So I'm going to highlight that entire section um, really quickly, okay, um, so that I, it'll remind me to go look at a tribute check. So that's the first thing I'm doing. Um, Everything else, I think, is pretty straightforward. Now, in terms of character creation, I'm going to completely ignore that. I'm running a one-shot, and the brilliant thing is, I haven't mentioned yet, at the back on page 24 of this module, there are four pre-gen characters. They're like in a single page, and they're really brief. I suppose I could cut those out and just give them to the players, but I noticed that the attributes, which are listed, don't have the bonuses, and they don't say which is prime. Uh, oh, sorry, they do say which is prime, but they don't kind of make that clear. So what I'm going to do is print off some character sheets. There's a lovely character sheet uh, designed by James West, which I've been using with the school kids. And I'm going to print four of those off. I'm going to and transfer these character sheets into, uh, characters into those character sheets. Um, and I'll do that probably the last thing I do before I prep for the, for the session. But I just wanted to mention it up front now. 
Okay, so back to the rules. Going through, I think that what I need to be aware of is the special abilities for each of the classes, and they're all in there, so I've got a reference. I don't need to bring my main player's handbook to the table. I think everything I need is here, which is great to know. So nothing terribly worrying, apart from I'm just going to highlight where the classes start. Um, so I'm going to go on, where am I turning back the pages here? So fight starts on page three at the bottom, um, and I'm just going to highlight that. The rogue's on the next page, I'm going to highlight that. Um, the wizard is over on page six, I'm going to highlight that. And the clerics on page six as well, I'm going to highlight that. I think that'll just help me with referencing quickly. And I'm going to do the same with the races. So I'm going to highlight the dwarf headline, the elf, I'm going to highlight the halfling, and I'll highlight the human page. Okay, and that takes me all through the rules. So that's not a problem. Um, the equipment list, I think, I'm just going to hold on to. I guess that's there if anyone needs it. I've got um, reference there. I think when I transfer these character sheets over, it'll help me. You know, for example, there's a character here who's a second level halfling rogue. And it says he's got leather armor and has a short sword. Um, looking at the equipment list, I can see leather armor is a plus two AC bonus. You know, to the base 10, adds two, it adds his dex bonus, and that would be his AC. So if he's got a dex of 17, off the top of my head, I'm guessing that's a plus two. Let's check back in the rules. Um, I kind of vaguely remember these things, but I don't, I'm terrible at remembering the exact numbers, and I get confused between systems. 17 is a plus two, yep. Um, and so that would make his AC 12, and then the leather makes it 14. So um, I'll need to make those notes onto the character sheets when I transfer them. But that's basically how I'm going to approach it. All right, so that's the rulesy stuff. And then the spells, um, I've just got the list there. And again, I've got a quick reference, which is handy. Um, I will come back to those in a minute because there's a thought I had on that. When it comes to the main part of the rules, I think I'm okay with everything. All I'm going to do again, though, is I'm going to actually highlight out the subheadings, all the subheadings in the rule sections. So it's got uh, rule one and the attributes, and I've got saving throws, combat. I'm going to make sure I've got all of those kind of highlighted out and different. And then in there, there's, there's, there's the elements of it. I've got surprise, initiative, movement, um, melee, uh, ranged uh, damage and combat maneuvers, all of which are just going to give me a quick highlight so they're easier to spot when I'm flipping through the pages. Right, that's it then. That's the rule bit. I'm putting it aside. Next, mm, let's have a look at the Wizard's Tower itself. So from this point forward, there are like serious spoilers, guys. If you don't want to um, spoil this module, if you think you might want to play in it, you basically want to skip the next few minutes um, until the next segment, and I'm not sure how, that's gone, how long that's going to be. Maybe I should put something in the show notes. I don't know. Anyway, the Wizard's Tower. Okay, I kind of like the module. Um, I really do, but I immediately spotted some things that really bugged the heck out of me, um, and I'm going to have to like reference or change. Okay, um, I'm getting rid of the back page of the character sheets. That's page 23 and 24. 23 is basically just the OGL license page, and then there's the character sheets. I'm dropping that away for now, and I'm going to go to the the module itself. Um, in, in short, the characters are kind of go to a town. There's a wizard tower nearby, and um, 
They're basically the rumours of a witch living in the tower, enslaving the wizard who lives there. Okay, that's the basic premise. Um, I'm not going to spoil everything, but there's, you know, just going to say there's our reading through. There's a nice beginning to the adventure, although I'm kind of, I don't know. It's the typical they're in the pub. I think I might want to dramatise that a little bit more. So that's a thought I'm going to come back to. Um, and then there's kind of a series of um, sections to it. So there's kind of getting there, going um, from the village up a winding stair to the tower. And then there's going into the tower. And they basically work from the bottom of the tower to the top of the tower. If Well, that's the expectation, I think. Although what's good about the module is it doesn't assume that. I mean, there is um, straight away a, you know, climbing the tower. If they want to climb to the top, here's what they need to roll. And that's all there. Um, and then a series of uh, location descriptions, which are kind of cool. There's some cool stuff in there. And then um, a map at the back. Now, I noticed a problem with the map. So if you read the description for section um, 7, um, it says, On the steps leading to the next and final floor, just before the laboratory, is a small bottle lying on its side. I'm not going to get into the magic bottle and everything to do with that. But... Um, if I look at the map, the map shows the stairs coming out onto area eight. So first thing I'm going to do, um, into my pencil case, and I'm going to just grab a pen, and I'm going to make a note on the map that actually the covered it with an arrow that the um, stairs go into area seven, not into area eight, because I think I might cock that up on the night and because the map's wrong, effectively, um, it's confusing. So I'm just going to make that note for myself um, on the map. So I've done that. Next, I think I'm just going to want to work through the encounters. There are a few bits and pieces that I wasn't happy with. So first of all, I'm uh, just going to sort of say this out loud, I guess. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, on the winding stair, there's a kind of a little bit there. It says that there's a path snaking through the forest area for about a quarter of a mile, ends at the foot of the stair. Uh, good solid stonework, blah, blah, blah. Right, they go up the stairs. The stairs have an enchantment on them. Anyone looking up the stairs must make a successful intelligence save, CL4, or they see the stair as a steep, narrow path that clings to the side of the hill. All the actions going forward uh, are at minus one. Happy with that. Kind of cool with the doing the save, and we'll see how that goes. Then it says, climbing the stairs is not particularly difficult, but it does take the better part of an hour to go up the thousand or so feet to the tower door. Note, those who failed their intelligence save from above are constantly checking themselves, trying to keep from falling. And so I ask them to roll several dexterity saves as they go up. Although they shouldn't fall unless they roll one or two right. That bit, that note, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of bollocks. I don't like that at all. Grabbing a pen, I am basically... Um, <laughs> I, I don't mind the idea that they're constantly checking themselves from falling, and I don't mind therefore giving them a dex check, but I'm not giving them several dex checks. And the reason for that is because I just think multiple die rolls is boring. Um, so if they fail their save and they start climbing, um, I'm not going to um, roll several, okay? Uh, just going to cross that out. And the chance of falling should be like, really not one it's just a matter of like actually do they even need to roll um no i think the the problem becomes when they actually get to the encounter i just think this is a bobbins kind of edition so you know crossing that out not doing that crap the stair is guarded by two creatures so 
then they get into the encounter with them, I think that's where the penalty from the illusion comes in. And, and that's fine by me. I just want to take out that multi-die roll thing. Okay. So that deals with that. I've got a reasonable stat block. Interesting, by the way, there's an aside on all of these. There's a little note for Reaper miniatures. And it tells you like which miniature to go for in the product code, which is kind of cool if you're into buying miniatures. Personally, I will almost certainly be getting some paper miniatures made up, but let's do that in a bit. Um, yeah, so now I am talking about uh, they're in, they did the tre- da- 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 treasure stuff, and there's the tower. Right, okay, everything in the tower is cool, apart from there's a confusing bit in the kitchen, area two kitchen. There are basically, the, the text says, the witch's servants, Bale and Bales, live here. These imps serve her as cooks, okay? Um, and then later it says, um, and it talks about how they've, they've stolen some treasure and hidden it, blah, blah, blah. And then later it says the imp will not attack the party. I'm sure that's supposed to be plural, the imps. Um, and then it gives stats for the imps. Now, I don't know how I'm going to play this. I think what I'm going to do, because imps can turn invisible, I think I'm going to have them go invisible as soon as someone comes in the room. I'm really tempted to have a kind of a, a sense check of some kind, a wisdom check maybe to notice them, um, especially given that one of the characters is an elf um, and can you know has this kind of like spot rule has a sort of spot hidden rule um which i guess i better explain right okay so what i'm really referring to there is a spot hidden doors rule but what i'm really referring to is the enhanced senses elvish physiology is blessed with enhanced vision and hearing now i like the idea of actually giving the elf player a chance to detect the imps by hearing them they're going to go invisible um and but I assume that imps kind of you know they're going to be making little noises they're going to be at least breathing or something. Um, so I'm going to make a note in my in my thing uh, by the imps. Okay, that so I'm just going to use with a pencil because I, I quite like using pencils for for quick notes. I'm just going to annotate the page. So I'm going to go elf. Okay, plus two to sense imps. Okay. Um, and I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to put secret role. Okay. So what I'm going to do there is I'm going to roll that for the elf. Now, if I go to the pre-generated characters, I know that the elf, it's the elven cleric. If they take the elven cleric, um, then the elven cleric's got a wisdom of 18, which is going to be a plus three bonus. Who is it? Just double checking. Um, num, 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 stream consciousness. Told you it would be bizarre. Yeah, plus three bonus. Um, and another plus two. So basically, I'm going to roll. So secret roll. It's Wiz. Okay. He's level three. Um, so the way it goes in Castle and Crusades is D20 plus your level plus your, your um, attribute. Um, and then potentially a prime bonus. So... His whiz is um, his whiz is eighteen. It's not. It is prime. He's got prime free wisdom dexterity. So, wisdom eighteen plus three plus two for being an elf plus five. Okay, his level is three. Makes it plus eight. All right, and then it's prime, um, which effectively adds um, another six to it. So we're up to what plus fourteen. Um, 
and that's going to be versus okay a DC a difficulty chance now they start at 18 um, and the 12 if you're prime in the rules but I just kind of turn that around so it's plus 6 to any roll on a base of 18 it's 18 plus the level of the imp the imps are one hit dice so level one so that's going to be a D DC 19 so basically this elf's going to wander in I'm going to roll a dice and unless they roll really no there's a really poor roll there's a really good chance they're going to detect the he's going to notice that they're they're hidden and from sound and I just think that's going to mean a much bigger chance of us actually having the encounter with the imps um, and maybe a fight um, which is cool and then we got a whole sort of fighting invisible Ooh, so I best guess I best kind of like find out what the fighting invisible off the top of my head fighting something when it's invisible is a minus 10 modifier um and wondering if this is one of those things where i'm going to find there's a gap in these basic rules uh, da, da, da. yeah i can't really see any just scanning it any note of that um come back around um but i do have um uh, a vague sense that it's a it's a minus 10 to hit so again i'm going to make a note um Minus 10 to hit invisible? Question mark. Um, I'm just going to actually look that up in the main player's handbook. Oh, sorry, just reached in front of the microphone there. Main player's handbook. Just going to have a quick look. Oh, sorry, drop stuff. Um, come back, come back, come back, come back. Yep, here we are. And combat modifiers. Do, 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 do. Bear with us, folks. Told you it's a stream of press um, thingy. Right, defender completely concealed. Minus 10. I'm correct. Um, or invisible. Yay, minus 10. So that's on page 175 of the player's handbook. Checked and done. Check. You know, sometimes I amaze myself with my memory. Okay, so that's that scene fixed as far as I'm concerned. Now we might actually have a chance of encountering the imps. Um... And then I'm going to go, I'm wandering through, there's loads of other cool stuff. There's this really curious bit, actually, about a struggle between um, the witch and um, a mimic, which was guarding uh, one of the rooms. And there's kind of like virtually no evidence, other than in the description, there's no evidence there of any kind of um, mimicky descriptive stuff. Um, so I don't know, dry bloodstains... I'm gonna just I'm gonna circle the mimicky note. I'm just gonna put a thing there. Um, if investigated, yeah, notice mimic. Um, what's the word for remnants? I guess. There you go. Um, and it just occurs to me, I have no idea what a mimic would be like. So here's the glory of the um, technological age. I've just opened up my uh, Monsters and Treasures book in PDF on my iPad. Um, gone to page 59, found the mimic. It says, mimics are subterranean creatures dwelling in deep caverns and dungeons. Blah, 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 blah. Um, they, basically, they, these are shapeshifters, as you're probably aware. They take on the suitable form and lie dormant until something comes after them. They exude an adhesive thick slime that acts as a powerful adhesive. Um, it helps grab, grapple people. 
Um, strong alcohol dissolves that. That's interesting. So I'm kind of wondering whether... Yeah. Intelligence checks allow you to figure out what things are, don't they? So I'm gonna gonna make that um, a mimic is a seven hit dice creature. Oh my goodness! So I'm gonna make that. So the DC would be gonna DC would be eighteen plus seven, which would be twenty five. Um, int. Okay. Um, so I'm just gonna make a note on the page there so they could find out um, and then in, in the bracket I could go with um, adhesive chemical residue that was the word I was looking for there you go so I'll put adhesive chemical residue on the note there for that and I just think that would make it an interesting clue I'm willing to bet that does not come up in play but it's the sort of thing that makes me feel comfortable. You know, I've kind of done my bit as GM to include that detail. Right, then there's the lab, and then we get onto the final scene. This is kind of weird. It's actually quite weird. So the this is the last bit that kind of confused me, really, um, and the only thing I need to fix. So basically, you've got this witch, and um, when they walk in the room, the witch kind of goes, thank the gods for your coming. The foul witch below has kept us here for so very long. Um, her and the wizard who were in the room. And, and it seems like you've slain her. Now, that's basically going to really confuse the players. And I think that's fine. I think that they're going to be, uh, we haven't fought a witch. What are you on about? But then it goes on. It says, basically, she's trying to buy time to drink potions. And she has a range of different potions. She drinks, apparently, the sanctuary potion before they enter the room. And that keeps them from attacking her. Okay, And then she will drink the protection from arrows as they enter the room. And then it says she's put a host po haste potion in a mug. And she'll drink that before she attacks them. And then there are others in the room. So in the room, um, there are also, there's a paralysis um, potion, cure light wounds potion. Okay, So... I, I can, I'm going to leave the cure like wounds on the table somewhere, I think. All right. I'm going to make a note of that on the table. I think the paralysis, I'm going to make a note that that is in a container bubbling. There's a The reason for that is there's a note here that says that she basically keeps that bubbling to keep the wizard guy in a stupor um and and then we've got this sequence so i'm gonna need to break this down if she's got sanctuary before they get there and she is alerted to them the earlier one of the earlier encounters um basically sets up an alarm so she knows someone's coming um and i guess she you know potentially hear them so the sanctuary i, I don't know there's a part of me that just wants to play with the surprise rules here can the players surprise her um, because that sanctuary potion, if I look up back in my rules, um, if I look up the sanctuary spell, uh, cleric spell level one on page 23, um, opponents can't attack the caster is what it says. Uh, and that's it. Okay. Um, there's a bit of me that kind of wants to know, yeah, how many rounds does that last and, and stuff like that. So I'm going to my main player's handbook. Um, and I am 
They're alphabetically listed, though. That's handy. Um, and I'm going to go to Sanctuary. PQ. Oh. Does anyone else do this? Like, actually count it out in their head. That they, oh, no, it's just me. Sanctuary. Okay. Last. Um, boom, boom, boom. Range. One. Oh, last one. Is that right? No, okay, really. So it's one round per level um, of the spell. She's two hit dice creek. Uh, okay, so should we make the... Okay, so the Sanctuary Potion is going to last for two rounds. Make a note. Okay, and then the Protection from Arrows. Okay, I need to look that one up. Um, let's flip back. Do, 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 do. Bear with us, folks. Protection from arrows. That lasts 10 minutes per level. Level 2 wizard spell. Um, and she's level 2, so that's going to last 20 minutes. So shooting arrow ain't going to work. I have to get in close combat. Um, and now I'm starting to thinking how many rounds to a minute. The combat round is... 10 seconds so that's six to a minute six hundred and twenty rounds and making a note of that i mean i'm never going to run out of rounds with that spell on it but you know if it goes to 120 rounds i can go failed as a gm at the table but hey that's worth knowing okay good so um yep and so now i've got a process so i've got is she's going to drink so I want to come back to this idea of surprise. I think I'm going to use the surprise rules if they come up the stairs quietly. If they try and do um, anything like that, then she won't have taken the sanctuary potion until they enter the room. I think that's what it's going to do. Um, but then if she, they don't particularly take caution to come up the stairs, then she's going to drink that as she hears them coming up, and then we'll do it as it's written. Because... I just want to give them that option. I want to be thinking that out. I want to be thinking, you know, if the players are stealthy and they come at this really smart, um, or maybe even go up onto the roof and down, they might be able to sort of get the drop on it and give themselves an edge in that combat. But nice to know that the Sanctuary is only going to last two rounds. After two rounds, they are going to be able to attack her. That might encourage some role-playing, might it? Might, um, as in, sorry, let's change my terminology. I'm, it's something I'm learning to do right now. It might it actually entail some interaction i think um there's an opportunity here for a conversation and so um, i'm gonna i'm just gonna nick um get me four p's for ezra um or urza sorry as she's called down um guess i better explain that being really self-conscious about my gming right now i've um i've actually been sort of taking everything back to basics so um, I've been reading the Angry GM's new book, um, Game Angry, which is great. I've got the digital version and the um, uh, books and, are in the post, actually. It should come any day. Um, now, I love the Angry GM stuff, especially the early part of the book. I, I kind of utterly recommend this book if you are coming back to G GMing. It, brilliant. It goes starts from basics. It assumes you know nothing about role-playing. Um, and does a very good job of introducing that idea to you. And then there's a sort of middle section about getting your game on. 
and then there, and that's about sort of the basics and fundamentals of GMing, all of which I agree with, and I think is just a fabulous guide. And then there's a bit more of a controversial section as you go. There's a section bit on sort of advanced techniques, really, um, and that's what I'm referring to here. Now he talks a lot about interaction scenes, um, and to do that, to help you play the part of an NPC, and this is the skill that I'm terrible at. Okay, this is the thing that other than prepping, which I'm terrible at, um, this is the thing I'm absolutely worst at. Um, and he just kind of comes up with this idea of the four Ps, okay? Um, the, the angry painted four Ps of play acting. Um, personality, posture, pause, and fidget. And yes, we do know that fidget's usually spelled with an F, but for the purposes of the four Ps, uh, he goes with uh, PF, fidget. Anyway, um, so I'm going to make some notes for Urza. So I've what we hear, we need a personality. Personality is the way that they talk, a tone and a work choice and all that stuff. Um, and what it says here is pick a single word to describe the way an NPC works and use that flavor. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, words like polite, impatient, suspicious, paranoid, insane, flirty, all those kinds of things. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of inclined actually to go for which. Um, <laughs> uh, when she reveals herself anyway um, uh, as kind of a reminder of the personality here evil basically nasty and I can get into the nasty voice when I want to it all sounds a bit gollum really but never mind I'm going to go with that because it's cool um, and then posture so posture refers to the way you're sitting and standing at the table okay so I'm going to hunch Okay, that's the word I'm going to put down to help me remind. I'm going to hunch up a little bit as I speak and get all gollumy. Um, the the pause is a noise to make uh, that you'd make to indicate that you're thinking. It's the kind of um in a conversation. You know, I do it all the time. Um and uh. Um, uh, what does the player do when it needs? Uh, sorry, what does the character do when it needs to pause? When it needs to get a moment? I'm going to. That's going to be my pause. And then the fidget is a nervous tickle physical habit that you can kind of play up, physically play up. Um, and I'm going to uh, clench. Uh, clench fingers into fist. So there we go. Um, <clears throat> yes, I'm evil. That's how I'm going to play it. Right, okay, good. Um, so this is the play acting bit. Um, now, while I'm on this subject, because earlier I said uh, about role playing and then I changed it to interaction in what I was describing, I need to explain that that thing. The Angry GM is, I think, bang on with this. Role playing is the act of making choices in a game. You are role playing as soon as you take on the role of character and you start making choices in the game. And play acting is the thing where we start using the character's voice or behaving physically like that or acting things out and i love that distinction and then when it comes to an interaction scene an interaction encounter a social interaction encounter in a game that's a whole different thing to any other kind of encounter and that's when you use these techniques the the four p's so i just love that stuff um honestly seriously uh, game angry by the angry gm well worth read even if you hate him and even if you like read his website and you think he's like a git, uh, look, even if you don't like a person, I believe that there's wisdom in what they teach. I mean, personally, I just find him amusing anyway. But, that, you know, it might not be make me popular here. Um, but, you know, I just I just want to recommend that. Okay, Game Angry by the Angry GM. And I'm going to put a link into the show notes. Right. 
So that's that then. I've got Ezra play acted out. Um, and then at the end, we've got this, you know, the, the MacGuffin guy really is is this Andrew, who's the uh, the wizard. He's going to give them treasure at the end. But, you know, it's a one shot. By the time they get there, you know, basically there's no need to particularly play act that out. So I'm not going to worry too much about him. Um, so that means I'm broadly prepped. I've got a couple of things I want to do. I want to transfer those, sheet, those, those characters to a character sheet. And I kind of want to dig out some miniatures. Um, once I've done those things, I'm kind of ready to play. I don't think you need me to come back to the mic and tell you that I've done those two things. So that's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to go and kind of do the character sheets. And then I'm going to uh, dig out some paper miniatures. I love paper miniatures. I'm going to print them off, uh, glue them up, stick them together. I need miniatures for the heroes. I need miniatures for a witch, um, um, a wizard, and then some demony things, some imps and stuff. Um, and that's it, really. The only question that's left in my mind is how to start this adventure off. And I don't know, having thought about it, I, I'm going to play it as written. I'm going to take the angry GM's advice again. First time you ever play anything as a GM, the advice is just do a pre-written module and play it as it's written. Don't try and get clever with it. Um, so other than those little tweaks, I'm basically going to play this as written. And we'll see what happens um, on Friday night. Ooh, fingers crossed it goes all right here we go so i don't know that's what been 35 minutes or so of me wittering on and taking you through my process i don't know if that's any use to anybody um hopefully it is anyway you know there we go gm's journal that's the the meat of it done game on Hi, it's the day of gaming, it's Friday. Actually, I've been off work, uh, sick for several days, and so I'm kind of feeling a bit low, but hey, I'm feeling really, really quite hopeful because um, yesterday evening I managed to get confirmation from our new player and also confirmation from one of my regular players. But also yesterday I had a little uh, text exchange with a player who used to come and there is a really good outside chance that he's going to attend as well. So we can end it with three tonight, which, wow, that would be awesome. I'm so hopeful, fingers crossed. This afternoon um, I've done the last bits of prep. I had done some of the character sheets and I got the other two done. Um, and I've also been sorting out miniatures throughout the week here and there. Um and what I've just done, done as well is I've pulled out a load of my uh, dungeon tile stuff um, because I'd really like to try and kind of use miniatures in, um, in the combat scenes and I love the dungeon tile stuff. And also because I've not been at, at school, I've left a number of items there anyway. I found my DM screen. I've got one of those, you know, pockety ones where you slip in different things and I, my, I had brought home from the school club my Castle Crusade screen. So that's all good. I also spent a little bit of time, um, I mean, you know, I'm a few hours out from gaming, but I spent a little bit of time rereading the rule stuff and refreshing my memory. Something that I usually don't have time to do. And despite the fact that I feel absolutely rubbish, um, I had a look through a game, which has been really, really helpful because um, there are gaps in that freebie rule set. And uh, I've managed to fill those from the player's handbook. So, for example, the enhance ability spell is in use by the wizard. Um, second level spell and he can cast that twice and basically I just wanted to make sure I knew what that did and it's far better than I thought it was at <laughs> 1d4 plus 1 on an ability which is awesome 
final thing really is I I kind of did nervous. Uh, I really am nervous. I don't think this ever quite goes away actually as GM, so I'm just going to confess to it. I'm nervous. This is a one shot. I've got new players at the table, maybe a returning player at the table. Um, and I honestly, heart in heart, I really want this to become the first session of a series of sessions, my open table. I really want to make that happen. I want to develop it into, um, you know, a proper either hex crawl game as I'd planned, or if not, even just a good old dungeony game would be awesome. And I think I've got to have a conversation tonight about with the players about how we take things forward. But who? Right, okay, I'm ready. Um, I'm as prepped as I've ever been, I think. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed, here goes. Wish me luck. Um, and I guess I'll uh, I'll see you on the flip side. Hey there, guys. It's Saturday morning. Um, yeah, we had a great game last night. It was awesome. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it, but um, I just wanted to record a little bit and add it to the episode so that... You kind of had a sense of closure. I had three players, which was awesome. And we played through the adventure. It was really good. I completely failed to roleplay the witch the way I'd planned. Um, but that was largely because the guys kind of saw through her ruse and immediately moved to attack her. But it was an interesting fight. And actually, just a really good and interesting um, session Castle Crusade's got a big thumbs up from everybody as well. And the practical upshot of the whole session was they'd like me to continue playing that game. And we're going to do the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings together. So, yeah. By the way, if you can hear the background noise, the wind outside is so loud. I hope it's not a bad omen. Anyway, awesome game. Seems like I've got a new player. Seems like I've got a player back to the table. And um, having three was just so awesome. So, yeah. That's the whole story, really. So I guess I'll beg and start prepping next session. So there we have it. Uh, first episode of GM's Journal possibly the last episode as well i don't know but hey i did it i kind of prepped my session and i shared the entire process with you um it's oh my god it's like 45 minutes 50 minutes long but hey hopefully that's of use to someone um so you know here's the thing let me know what you think if you have some comments uh get on and message me if you have some advice get on and message me if you want to like throw your 10 penneth into the ring uh get on and message me okay um just let me know you know if it's worth me doing these because if so we could do we can do them more regularly um i don't know how i fit in my schedule but i'll find a way i guess you know if i'm prepping for a game anyway it just gives me the discipline of prepping uh, and that would be a good thing for me so let me know is this good i don't know any use uh, you know just let me know okay thanks guys this is it um i'm che webster this was a roleplay rescue bonus episode the gm journal um and yeah See you soon. Game on.